Pastor Xavier Reese says, make no mistake, the simple truths of Scripture are a matter of fact. People always say there are contradictions and mistakes in the Bible. Next time somebody tells you that, ask them, show me one. They won't be able to. They've never read the Bible. How dishonest to reject the claims of any system without informing ourselves to the fact if they're so. Welcome to Simple Truths, the daily half-hour study of God's Word with Xavier Reese, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. Scripture says, The fool has said in his heart there is no God. And as Pastor Xavier brings us the final message to his series of Excuses for Not Coming to Christ, he really gets to the bottom of what are thrown out as supposed good reasons that are instead just irrational and foolish excuses for not choosing to respond to a loving Creator. Here's Pastor Xavier with today's simple truth. The first, which is number five in our list, is the excuse, I do not believe in heaven or hell. There are some people, point blank, that you will say, well, don't you want to go to heaven? Says, there's no heaven. I don't believe in heaven. Some people say, I don't believe in hell. Now, if people cannot believe or do not believe in heaven and hell, then why has man throughout the ages attempted to find a fountain of youth like Ponce de Leon? Why are we always trying to find this eternal potion to keep us living more and more? Unless man is uncertain of what happens beyond death. A man is constantly wanting to live forever. And besides that, we don't have the choice on whether we want to live forever. We will live forever. All we can do is choose where we're going to spend forever. <laughs> you spend it in the presence of God or in separation from God. But you will exist in eternity somewhere. One of two places. The sixth in our list, second this morning, is I cannot believe God became man. Now, this excuse is based on their intellectual pride, limiting God by man's own limited potential. So, we believe God can do only that which we men can at least do. And so, as long as we're able to think and understand and able to do something, then we, well, God could probably do it. And so we limit God by our own abilities and our own potential. We think we are the ultimate. First of all, why do people believe that a monkey has become a man through evolution then? You have a hard time that God became man? Then how can you so believe that a monkey has become a man? You've got more faith than I do. <laughs> the irrational thinking and logic of evolution is a rebuke to the excuse that you cannot believe that God became man. If you really believe that a monkey becomes a man, then what's the problem with God becoming a man? The blind trust and acceptance of the philosophy and religion of evolution and do understand that it is a religion that we're being taught in our children, in our schools. Without examining its claims through the critical scientific evidence is intellectual foolishness and suicide. People believe that disorder brings about order. That's another theory of evolution. 
that disorder brings about order. Oh, wouldn't you, believe, wouldn't you wish that was true? You would never have to make your bed. Disorder would come into order. You leave and you come home, your house is made. Wouldn't that be great? The minute a house is being built, the minute they drive the first nail, it starts decaying. Do you realize that? The second law of thermodynamics is in effect constantly. Everything's winding down. The belief that complex things just come about by random chance is an insult to our intelligence as well as our Creator. Where there is design, there is also a designer. Where there is complexity, there is intelligence. When we see a Steinway piano or a Rolex watch, do we think it just came about by random chance? If man believes that things can evolve from disorder to order, what is the problem with believing that God became man? It is a mere reversal from the order of perfection to the disorder of fallen man without sin nature. If man can believe that matter begins without a cause, what is the problem with God becoming man as the cause? <laughs> you see, the excuse that a person cannot believe that God became man is based on intellectual pride, limiting God by man's own potential. That's foolish. Seventh in our list is this excuse. I cannot believe that the Bible is an errant or infallible. This excuse is based on man's own authority. First of all, people always say there are contradictions and mistakes in the Bible. How many of you have ever heard that? Okay. <laughs> Next time somebody tells you that, ask them, show me one. What do you want me to turn to? Where's it at? Give me the quote. Give me the scripture. They won't be able to. One, they've never read the Bible. Two, they're only repeating what some other egghead has said. <laughs> they've never read the Bible. They are sidestepping the issue of personal confrontation regarding Jesus. They are being dishonest in their answer and biased without having investigated the Bible's claims. How unfair, how dishonest for you, myself, or anyone else to reject the claims of any system without informing ourselves to the fact if they're so or not. If you've never read the Bible, how can you say they're mistakes? These professors are in their classes declaring that the Bible is foolish. But they've never read it themselves. How unacademic, how dishonest they are. But they shine in their own circle. Nowhere else. They say that man wrote the Bible, yet the evidence is that they spoke under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit by, by God's leading. Because people say, well, man wrote it. That's true. But if I pick up a pen and, and it's blue ink and I say, and I write my name, Xavier, and then I take red ink and I write my middle name, Jose, and then I take pencil and write my last name, Reese, 
And 50, 100 years go by and some yo-yo comes by and says, well, you know, and this guy's a literary critic and he says, no, you know, this autograph and, and this manuscript was not written by the same man. There's three different types of ink. Yet I wrote all three names, but I used three instru different instruments. That's exactly what God did. He was the author and he used different instruments, different men. But he wrote the Bible. 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17 says that all scripture is given by inspiration of God. The word is theopanusal, God breathed, literally expired. And it's proper for doctrine, reproof, correction, and righteousness, that the man of God may be thoroughly equipped unto every good work. And then Peter, of course, 2 Peter 1, 20 and 21 says that the men of old did not speak of their own impulse. It didn't come of their own origin. But they were carried along by the Spirit of God and spoke as God moved them. Inerrant, infallible. Don't you find it interesting that the central message is one even though it spans thousands of years of time? All these different books, 66 books, thousands of years of time. And the theme is the same. The focus is the same. Now you know if you pick up any history book, science book, music book, poetical book, anything you want, you find changes. It's not the same. But the Bible is in its message. The prophetic accuracy is overwhelming. If you just take the 70 weeks of Daniel, you know the accuracy of that prophecy is incredible. To the very day Jesus rode into Jerusalem on the donkey, 32 AD, April 6th. From the command that was given by our exercise to Nehemiah to restore and rebuild Jerusalem, March 14, 445 B.C. 483 years to the day. 170,880 days. Based on the 360-day Babylonian calendar. Amazing. Now, what are the chances of that coming to pass? Just that one prophecy. <laughs> By chance. Fat chance. That's how much chance. The seeming contradictions can be cleared if one will read the Bible in its whole and compare Scripture with Scripture, the language, the historical background, and always interpret it within its context. The preservation of the Bible is a witness to its divine origin for many have attempted to destroy it and yet they are gone but the Bible is still here. Remember Voltaire? Voltaire says in my generation, my lifetime, I will make the Bible and Christians extinct. Interesting, he's gone and after his death his house was used to print Bibles. In your face Voltaire, that's what God says. How interesting. It is written in three languages, Hebrew, Aramaic and Greek. It is the most read book, published book in more languages than any other book today, whether it be in portions or the whole book. Even today in our perverted society, it's still number one. It has more manuscript evidence than any 10 pieces of classical literature. Listen to what we have. 8,000 Latin Vulgates, 1,000 earlier versions, 4,000 Greek manuscripts, 13,000 portions written in the latter, the latter part of the first century. And so it was written in the same generation of its origin. The degree of variation that people sometimes object to is so minute that the sense and the meaning of the text never changes. And you've got to understand higher critics how they do their figures. If they find a hundred manuscripts of Isaiah and the same mistake is found in each one, say one letter, they say there's a hundred errors in Isaiah. No, there's only one error a hundred times the same error. You need to understand that. And people that, that know this will use that dishonestly. Okay. 
Now, in spite of the evidence of the Bible, let's look to our own classical literatures and literatures of art. We accept other man's writings without any doubt. Nor do we place the same sort of examination that we do on the Bible. We have only seven plays of Sophocles, which we never doubt. No one has ever doubted the place of Sophocles. We only have seven. And they date 1,400 years after his death. We got the Bible the same generation. Sophocles, 1,400 years after the fact. And no one ever doubts it as being authentic. We have only eight manuscripts of the history of, and his name is really a hard one, uh, Theudadice, the earlier being 900 AD, yet he lived in 400 to, uh, 460 to 400 BC. That means there's 1,300 years plus after the writings that then they were found. There's a 1,300-year gap, yet we never doubt it. We use them. And yet people say, well, the Bible was, it. It was in the same generation. We have more manuscript evidence. Thousands. Number one seller. The power of the Bible is uncontested in its ability to transform lives. Throughout the history we have heard, you know, people say, I used to be an alcoholic and Jesus set me free. I used to be in drugs, Jesus set me free. I used to be a prostitute, Jesus set me free. But today we've got a new message in the church. I used to be an alcoholic and, 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 and I accepted Jesus and now I go to AA. I used to be a drug addict and, and I came from an abused home and I accepted Jesus and now I'm dysfunctional. Oh, really? I'm an enabler. I'm codependent. It's a different gospel. It's a perverted gospel. But we fall for the lie, don't we? How interesting. The Bible excludes no one regardless of culture, race, economic levels, or religious failures or failure in life if there is genuine repentance. In fact, the author of the books range from Moses, who was raised in the wisdom of Egypt, to a fruit picker named Amos, a fisherman, a tax collector, and a zealous Jew. <laughs> God doesn't have affirmative program in heaven. He doesn't need it. He died for all. The excuses that a person cannot believe that the Bible is inerrant and infallible is not only dishonest, but is based on man's own authority. It's worthless. And it's very, very dishonest. The eighth and last one that we want to look at in the fourth for today is, I cannot believe in a God that allows the atrocities of this world to take place. Ooh, you ever heard that one? Boy, people really try to pressure you with this one, huh? First of all, the world that we see is not the world that God intended. We need to understand that. He intended Adam and Eve to be in a beautiful paradise with all the provisions of life. I trust you've read Genesis, the first chapters. What God had in mind was incredible. He intended them to have ongoing fellowship with God, but fellowship was broken. He intended them to have dominion over the entire earth, but they turned it over to Satan. He intended them to have eternal life from the beginning. But they blew it and introduced eternal damnation. Now, did this mean that God was unable to stop them? Because often people say, well, why did God let Adam? One simple reason. God gave Adam a freedom of choice. Very, very simple. 
When I say God intended and it didn't happen, it doesn't mean that God could not avoid all that took place. But it simply means that God gave to man the freedom of choice. Now, for you to give someone freedom of choice, then you must also honor the freedom of that choice. If you don't honor it, then there is no choice, right? Then you're a liar. So when God says, choose, and man chooses, he honors it. But then man reads from his choice and he wants to hang God for it, right? God says, listen to me. This is a choice. You can accept me and I'll forgive you of your sins and I'll give you eternal life and I will be responsible for you. Or you can reject me and live a miserable life and be damned for all eternity. You have your choice. And whatever choice you make, I'll honor. Whoa. Heavy. You see, for choice to be meaningful, there must be an honoring of the choice. Otherwise, there's no choice at all. The world that we see also is not the world that is going to be. This is not going to be forever. That's one of the problems with many people. They're in a miserable state, and, and, and Satan lies to them and says, Oh, it's going to be forever. Some of you young people get married, and all of a sudden you find out that Prince Charming is not so charming. He's not even a prince. Um, all of a sudden you find out that uh, Sleeping Beauty is um, uh, something else. And, um, and, and, and all of a sudden you start believing the lie. Oh, I made a mistake. No, hang in there. That's a lie of the enemy. I mean, God's just using her and him to show you what a creep you are and how self-centered you are and how much you love yourself. And, and, and if that's not enough, then he's going to give you some children to be more sandpaper to refine you. <laughs> and, and, and hang in there. Don't bail. It's not going to be miserable. He brings you to the place of being broken before him so you can really live life. And you find out that people are just like you, sinful and perfect. And until you accept that, you won't be able to love people. You see, because we really have a higher view of ourselves. We think, you know, we're the best. That's our problem. Sin entered in through Adam's fall. Adam sinned, and therefore the whole world sinned. He was the federal head, Romans 5.12 says. Death entered in through sin. Disease is part of the fall and the curse. So people are born, children are born blind, deaf. Children even die. Now somebody says, I can't believe in a God that would allow my child to be born blind. Well, my question to you first, excuse me, sir, do you, do you know my Lord and Savior? No. Well, um, have you ever asked him in your heart? No. Well, do you want to? No. Well, then why do you want him to be responsible for you? If you don't know him, if you don't serve him, if you don't love him, if you don't worship him, if you don't obey him, what responsibility does my God have towards you? None whatsoever. And so you make stupid choices. You get somebody pregnant, and now you marry them. Your life is miserable, but you want to hang God for it. As if God put you in bed. And you want to blame God. No, no, no. Choices. He honors your choices. The world is evil. The world is not what God intended. But the world is not what it's going to be also. There is pain. There is violence. There is greed. There is injustices on part of the curse and the fall. 
The problem is that man has chosen to live apart from God and his choices uh, now are, are putting a big pressure on God as if God is supposed to be responsible for them. Not so. But also the world that we look at, what we look for is not what it is today. We're looking for the kingdom age. The kingdom age. Jesus will reign supremely. All will enjoy the benefit of the thousand year reign. The church will reign with Jesus. The tribulation saints will serve Jesus. The Israel will occupy all the land promise in the Old Testament. Satan will be bound for a thousand years in the Abuzo. There will be no more uh, war, rebellion until the end of the thousand years when Satan is let loose. And then the people rebel against Jesus again, those that occupy the kingdom. You say, why does God let Satan out again? I, I can only give you a couple of speculative things based on what I know and, and life and the scriptures. First of all, the final evidence of man's sinfulness is that the man's problem is not the environment. It's his heart. God is going to silence the sociologists and the psychologists. They're always saying, oh, it's the environment. You know, he's dysfunctional family. This and that. Jesus says, no, no, no. You, yo, yo, listen. Watch. Here's the millennial kingdom. I am king. I give him everything. Perfect. And the rats rebel against me. What's the problem? The heart. The heart of man. That's the problem. The final record of man is rebellion. The final rebellion of Satan results in being cast into the lake of fire. Where there is torment. Day and night. Revelations 20 verse 10. Heavy. So, the world today is not what God intended. The world today is a result of man's fall. So we have disease, pain, everything else. But the world that we're looking for is not what we see today. So you need to understand that and to communicate that to people. And so the excuse that you cannot believe in a God that allows atrocities in this world is, is really based on the belief that man is more loving and compassionate than God. Listen, we're in the mess we're in because of us. You know what I mean? Not God. Yet man wants to hang God. Now, we have looked at eight of the most common excuses that are passed off by individuals as seeming good reasons for not accepting Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. When in fact, they are irrational excuses, foolish and contrary to many things that we believe on a daily basis. Let me leave you with a couple of things, four to be exact. First, remember God does not give you freedom of choice without honoring it. He gives you the choice. He will honor your choice. Secondly, remember that no choice to accept Jesus is a choice to reject Jesus. If you don't make a choice to accept Him, silently you're rejecting Him. Thirdly, remember the choice you make will involve eternity, not temporal time as you and I know it now. And fourthly, remember the choice is to repent from your sinful lifestyle. To be forgiven of all your sins through Jesus and to spend all of eternity with God, not apart from Him. Hmm. Won't you come to Jesus? And if you won't, what is your excuse for not coming to Jesus? As we've looked at, there's really no excuse at all. Pastor Xavier Reese, closing with a challenge to examine the common excuses that often stand between a decision for Christ and eternity without Him. 
And in today's study, Pastor Xavier has made it a point to address some of the most common issues that you're liable to hear when witnessing to unbelievers. And if this information is something you'd like to have close at hand, we can provide you with your own copy of the message that'll include everything you heard today and last time. The title is simply Excuses for Not Coming to Christ, Part 2. It's available on CD for just $4. Once again, the title, Excuses for Not Coming to Christ, Part 2. Or simply mention today's date and address your request to Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. Or phone us at 800-926-1485. That's 800-926-1485. Or the address once again is Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. And if you would, kindly let us know the call letters of this station, as this helps us to monitor the effectiveness of our radio ministry. If trusting the inerrancy of Scripture is an issue for you or someone you know, you'll want to be along next time for a message entitled, So You Don't Believe the Bible? Pastor Xavier will be bringing us the simple truths of God's Word, so be back then. Simple Truths with Pastor Xavier Reese, a daily half-hour broadcast, is a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. www.calvarychapelpasadena.com